I just come off a world's strongest man win. I take a couple of days deload. Me and my coach are talking. He's like, Hey, just have fun with training for two weeks. You've been so dialed. Just go enjoy training, play with implements. You haven't been able to touch. I'm like, it's been probably two years since I touched a circus dumbbell. So I'm like, I'll probably get up to 190 ish, maybe because I haven't messed with one in so long. I got to 190 and I didn't even jerk. I just popped it up and I was like, oh, so I throw on 200 pops up. I'm like, I'm going to cap out at 210, 210 pops up. So I was like, I'm, a, I'm throwing in 220. So I throw in 220, throw that up effortless, not effortless, but it went very well. So I sent it to my coach. He's like, he's Australian. Mate, you're. You're 16 pounds, 18 pounds off a world record, then you haven't touched this in two years. Welcome to the Bar Bend Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. Today, I'm talking to pro strongman Nikolai Myers. He's the 90 kilogram world's strongest man and recently earned the title of America's strongest veteran. We talk about competing in strongman as a lighter bodyweight athlete in a sport where the stereotype is truly giants, and also Nikolai's evolution in training, as well as what it takes to prep for world records. Stick around because we think you'll really enjoy this episode, no matter which strength sport is your cup of tea. Nikolai, thanks for joining us. Okay, we'll dive right into it. Who are you and what kind of things do you lift? That's like the first question on most of these podcasts. My name is Nikolai Myers. Uh, I am the current 90kg world's strongest man. I'm also America's strongest veteran. The middleweight division, there's a 200-pound split above and under. 2017 national champion, and I pick up cars, I pick up stones, heavy objects, it's what we like to call strongman. Yeah, strongman's what you do if you can't decide what you want to lift. You're like, Ed, yeah, household appliances. That sounds good. It's the ADD or ADHD of, of lifting. <laughs> You're like, I want to pick up this. I want to do this. Maybe some stones, maybe some cars, maybe some engine blocks. All right, how long have you been training and competing in strongman? I would say 2016, I got out of the military in 2015. It was shortly after that that I stumbled on strongman and one thing led to another. What branch of the military were you in, if you don't mind me asking? I was Army. All right. Okay. Now, is there, is there a, uh, since you are currently the strongest, strongest veteran at your weight class, is there like competition between the branches as to who can, who can be the strongest? Oh, yeah, for sure. So how they, they break it down very interesting, in a very interesting way. So you, each uh, branch competes against themselves. Okay. And then the winners of each branch go to uh, the last two events, and then you have the best from each branch competing. When I went, it was, in true fashion, was Army versus Navy, and I blew Navy out of the water. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'm sure I could, I could make a really terrible joke about like being on a boat versus being on land, but you know what? People have to hear <laughs> enough of my corny jokes anyway. Well, what got you into, what got you into Strongman? You mentioned it's like, it's what you do if you can't decide what else to do, but it's still really niche, and, and in most towns, you're not going to walk into the local Globo gym and see an Atlas stone set up. You know what I mean? 
No, yeah, I, I was training in the military, but I wasn't, I was fighting at the time. I was dabbling in jujitsu, Muay Thai, and uh, I got out of the military and come to find out gyms like that are extremely expensive for a good gym. So I needed something. I was in flight school flying helicopters. So I was in a full-time student, but I needed, I'm, I'm a go, go, go person. So I needed that, that risk, that whatever it may be to keep my, my sanity. And uh, I actually saw a friend of mine, he posted a video of stone. I was like, that looks cool. What is it? And I had grown up watching it on TV. Like, and I was like, oh, I didn't know people our size could do that. Hmm. Because all you, all you saw for decades was three, 400 pound humans doing strongman. As if anybody pays any attention to strength sports, strongman has changed since then. Even your 400 pound humans don't have big bellies anymore. So I was like, that looks like fun. I'm going to go do that. And uh, growing up on a, on a farm, cattle, picking up odd things was kind of in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. So I went after it. And the first thing I ever touched was an atlas stone. I was hooked. I was like, this is so much cooler than picking up a barbell or a dumbbell. The same thing every single time. Cause every contest is different. I was before I knew it, I was balls deep in it and I couldn't get enough of the sport. And, and now it's like my thing. So it really just, um, happened by accident. It's been a ride. What was the implement in strongman? And I say implement, but there are you literally can't count how many there are, right? You you can show up to a contest and they're like, "Cool, today we're throwing salmon replicas." Like it it it, it actually happens. Like, how do you prep for that? I don't know. Yeah. What was the implement when you started training that just gave you the most grief? The implement that gave me the most grief, I would say probably a sandbag throw. Mm, okay, because it's super technical, and I've always been a kind of like relied on just being explosive mm-hmm. and uh, just using brute force and explosivity to allow me to survive any event. But being too explosive in a sandbag toss can work against you. The bag will swing. You'll get slack in the bag. It won't go where you want it to. And using the leverage and the pendulum to create the swing for you, I really had to dial back on power and, and just revamp it. Even to, there were sandbag throws in Worlds. I completely revamped my, my throw. And that was probably the third, fourth contest I've had with a throw in it. So like, it's just an ongoing science project with throws for me. So, Well, what is your, what is your current favorite implement? Stones. Stones. One, okay, so it's been stones kind of all. You've been a stones guy the whole way. It went full circle. My first implement ever was, that I touched was an Atlas Stone. And the reason why I won Worlds, it came down to Atlas Stones. And I was the only 90 kilo to, to load all six stones, ending in 375. I actually beat the next weight class up in stones, too. So some of those guys. <laughs> yeah, Robert, just brush your shoulders off. That's a good little yeah, feeling. Yeah. <laughs> well, for those who might not be aware, I mean, look, uh, uh, listeners of the Barbin podcast probably know a little bit more about strength sports than the average bear. But for those who might not be as familiar with the weight classes in Strongman, you know, what are... And there is a little different difference depending on where you're competing and, and which federation you're competing in, right? That's the same in powerlifting. But what are give folks a general idea of on the men's side, kind of the weight class variations. At, at the pro level that are recognized internationally, you have your 80 kg, which is your lightweight. 
you're 90 kilo and you're 105 kilo, which is your middleweight. And then above 105 is open heavyweight. Right. Um, at a national level, in all I can speak for is America. You have a little bit more subclasses. And due to, we have two main federations here currently that hold the nationals. You have um, Strongman Corp and United States Strongman. Oddly enough, it used to be all North American strongman. It was a husband and wife, and they went separate yeah, directions. There's a little, there's a little relationship politics. Yeah, there. there was a little bad blood there. So to not infringe on anything, the weight classes for USS are just a hair different than strongman corp. So like, I would compete under the 200 pound in strongman corp, and then 198 in United States strongman. So I believe I can't even remember all of them. I don't know what it's like to be a powerlifter. I couldn't imagine with all their weight. <laughs> but at least for Strongman Corp, I believe there's like a sub male class for lightweight at like 160 or 150. I don't know. But then there's 175. Then you have 200, 231. And then I think there's a 265 or 275, 300. And then above 300 is super heavyweight. So gotcha. There's someone listening that probably that is a numbers person and knows these things, but that's not me. What you need to know is there aren't that many weight classes. There are more nationally than there are internationally. Internationally, it's it's real simple. There are just a handful. Yep. So have you always been like when you started training in the sport, were you about this body weight or did you have to grow into or cut down to the body weight you competed? I was probably about 185 because I my body was sitting between 175, 185. That's where I'd like to do jujitsu at. That's where I like to do Muay Thai, which in that sport, that's considered your light heavyweight. Mm -hmm. So, and I was very minimal in that. I just really enjoyed doing that stuff. It's really challenging. It's like a chess game with endless moves and counters, and it's so much fun. And the fact that a 140 pound man. I put my money on that 140 pound brown belt against any probably 250 pound diesel dude any given day. I mean, there's nothing heavier than a brown belt in jujitsu laying on your chest. <laughs> there's you're they're sharks. There's nothing you can do. So I was sitting, like I said, around 175, uh, 185. I was the same build, just leaner. And then after starting strongman and, and eating and and just lifting heavier and getting stronger. I focused on, I never really cared about aesthetic. That was never, it's a byproduct that I don't complain about, but it's never been my main goal. It's just how much weight can I move with what I got? And probably for a while, I never really was cutting weight up until I got to where I'm at now. I sit between 205 and 210. Even then, I'm light for a 198. A lot of those guys are 215, 220, cutting down. Gotcha. So going into even 198 at a national level, I went in eating. I was 10 pounds underweight with clothes on. It's never really been an issue. And I was like, I, I like to compete at what I weigh because mm -hmm. that's I feel like that's what you're supposed to do. You don't suddenly have to change your environment and your nutrition in the weeks leading up to a competition. Nothing yeah. that accidentally I mean, throw you off. All I do is manipulate my salt intake mm -hmm. and I pee six pounds and I'm good to go. Mm -hmm. And um, But I see guys that come in and weigh in and their eyes are sunken in. They've cut 20 pounds. I'm like, now you got to go pick up a car. <laughs> So like, they're like, mass moves mass. Yeah, well, it 
Not if you're dehydrated. Yeah, not if you literally don't have the, the mass. I, it- exactly. So <laughs> focus on strength, 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 moving weight, having fun with it. And then uh, the aesthetics came along as secondary byproduct. That's just always been my, my main focus to this day is how strong can I get at my weight? When I Once I get to a point where cutting weight becomes an issue, then I'll move up and, and compete against those guys. I've competed in 231s. I've done open heavyweight shows and I look like a garden gnome. <laughs> like, and I'm an average height dude, 5'9, five 5'10, five but, but you know, against someone who's 6'5. You do have a pretty awesome beard, and that might, that might not help the garden gnome comparison. <laughs> no, it definitely supports the garden gnome. <laughs> I've never heard anyone compare themselves to a garden gnome. That's absolutely, that's brilliant. Only in Japan does a 200 plus pound human look like a garden gnome. You put me in a normal crowd, they're like, okay, he's a bigger guy. You put me in a strongman setting, they're like, that's a little guy. Yeah, it's, 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 it is absolutely insane how, how large some of these individuals are. Okay, let's talk about training. Okay. Strongman is kind of, everyone says CrossFit is, you know, expect the unexpected, right? the unknown and mm-hmm. the unknowable. I counter that Strongman's been doing that for a lot longer because you never necessarily know exactly what they're going to pull out of the bag. Much like CrossFit, there are some things that you can probably expect to see or some variations. And yeah. then there are often, often some surprises and sometimes you don't know the time domain, you don't know the weights, you don't know the rep domain, you don't know all sorts of unknowns. So there are a lot of different ways to train for Strongman. At least with CrossFit, they're getting calibrated plates, they're getting rogue implements every single time. Strongman, you might get something Billy made in his garage. You probably will get something Billy made in his garage. Yes. Well, okay. What what is your training look? What does a typical week of training look like for you? I know that look, you have mesocycles. I'm sure peaks. It's it's not going to be the same every week. But like you're few, you're maybe three months out from a big competition, kind of off season ish. It's winter time right now. We're all trying to you know we kind of have some of the holiday weight on. Yep. What's your training look like in a given week? Three months out from a contest, I'm doing a lot of uh, strength through volume. We're not hitting super heavy weights yet. Mm, okay, we are here and there. But I've responded really well to that high volume, making everything absolutely as perfect as possible. A, priority to avoid injury. Staying healthy is number one priority when it comes to training. And I'm someone who goes, I had a little bit left in the tank from that training session. I should have done more. I've, I've had to work really hard to not sell out mm. every single training session because I don't like being outworked. If I get beat just because someone was stronger, that's fine. Yeah. That's, the sport. that's the sport I compete in. More power to them. If I get beat because I didn't do enough, I could have done more, that's what I'll lose sleep over. So it's, been, it's a lot of focus on volume, alternating volume work. So like sometimes it'll be high sets, low reps with a little bit of rest. Sometimes it'll be low sets, high reps. So it'll be like three sets, 12 reps. So and making everyone fast, controlled, and just perfect as possible. Like my deadlift, we had a big build in my deadlift leading up to this, being that I herniated two discs in my L5 region. So I didn't pull above 600 pounds till probably about a month out to six to eight weeks out from contest, maybe at the most, to make sure my back was healthy. It was getting stronger through the volume. And then when it was time, it was there. The power was there. All that homework we've done with the volume training, 
carried over. Mm. And then that was just to get me used to pulling at that heavier weight. So right now, normally would be my off season, but I am prepping for a world record on the circus dumbbell next weekend. What is the split between, by the, I, mean, I want to hear about that more in a second, but what is the split between, I, I call it competition lifts, competition events, and, and more standard powerlifting-ish style bar, uh, barbell work? It really depends. There's no really set way to do it, and that's the beauty of strongman. It's, I firmly believe it's whatever the athlete is responding to the most. Like, I started squatting six times a week to carry over to my deadlift, and it worked. So that changed as it got closer. I started deadlifting twice a week, switching to squat once a week. But I would say when it comes to regular off-season training, most of my lifts are squatting with a barbell deadlifting with typically either just a regular like Ohio power bar or Texas deadlift bar. Only reason is because most, I would say strongman contests, they love that Texas deadlift bar. So it's just a good thing to train with because you're going to, you're going to run into it overhead with a barbell an axle. I typically like to use an axle as my default for only for the main reason being is that having some sort of clean and press with an actual barbell is rare. It's usually going to be an axle log, dumbbell, something completely random, a block, who knows, a Viking press. So it is mainly linear movements like a clean and strict press, push press, push jerk. Typically training has a day where I'm cleaning the reps and then the second press day in the week is an out of rack mm, to save it. your back after you've done squats and deadlifts. So it's a, it's a pretty good split. And then my fourth day, I train four days a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Um, my fourth day typically has a sprinkle of strongman movements, cardio focused stuff, carry medleys, just to keep the iron sharp. Um, even in off season, nothing crazy heavy. I can do heavy carry movements regularly and not really get run down i that's one of my best events is my care my speed um whereas if i squat heavy twice a week i'm wrecked that's just what i respond to and how i respond to it so even at a moderate weight on squats with the volume i'm i can count on being wrecked but you can put me under an 800 pound yoke twice a week and i'm fine mm, yeah it's different for everyone well let's talk about the circus dumbbell world record attempt coming up what is the current record so it was done by my friend actually in the UK, Leroy Smith. Shout out to him. He's a good chap. As they say over there. Yeah. I think it's like 238.6 is the conversion from kilo. So I plan on hitting 240. Okay. For those who don't know the circus dumbbell, you're, you're, you can clean it up to the shoulder with both hands, but it's one hand overhead. You're, you're basically, it's, it's a he one heavy dumbbell. It's a big old circuit. It looks like one of those old, it's literally an old timey circus dumbbell. It's crazy proportions. 12, usually they're about 12 to 13 inches in diameter with a two handle. Yeah. And so you are kind of one arm jerking it. It doesn't have to be a strict press. You can kind of like, you can like, you know, squat under it, kind of do whatever you need. And then you have to obviously extend and get it overhead and wait for a down signal. Let's talk about why did you decide to go for that one, by the way? By accident. <laughs> I, I just come off a world's strongest man win. I take a couple of days, deload. Me and my coach are talking. He's like, hey, just have fun with training for two weeks. You've been so dialed. Just go enjoy training. Play with implements you haven't been able to touch. I'm like, it's been probably two years since I touched a circus dumbbell. 
So I'm like, I'll probably get up to 190-ish, maybe, because I haven't messed with one in so long. I got to 190, and I didn't even jerk. I just popped it up. And I was like, oh. So I throw on 200, pops up. I'm like, I'm going to cap out at 210. 210 pops up. So I was like, I'm, a, I'm throwing in 220. So I throw in 220, throw that up effortless. Not effortless, but it went very well. So I sent it to my coach. He's like, he's Australian. Mate, you're, you're 16 pounds, 18 pounds off a world record. Then you haven't touched this in two years. He goes, find an event. So I hit up my counterpart, Strengthly Collective, Anthony Furman. They put on all the Clash Pro Series circuits in the United States for the internationally recognized weight classes at the pro level. He invited me out to do a circus dumbbell world record attempt uh, six weeks later. So um, I'll be in Nashville January 15th. It's going to be live streamed. I think it might be on ESPN as well. Done clash contests on ESPN in the past. So we prepped for it and it's been going well. I've hit 230 thus far. So, and I push pressed it. I didn't jerk. So adding in the jerk should make up that 10 pounds and I don't plan on missing. Okay. So that, that's, a, that's a great record to go for. And I'm very excited about that. Um, are there any other records that you might have your sights set on or you think you're in spitting distance of? If you don't already have them, actually, I should have asked that first. Atlas Stone for sure. Atlas Stone. Okay. I think it's around 440. I've loaded a 400 plus pound stone a year, two years ago. And it's something if I really programmed, I could, I could put 30, 40 pounds on an Atlas Stone, no problem. Um, I would just have to figure out the height, what height to train for. And statically, I'm not the most outstanding individual. My best placing at Worlds this year on a deadlift event was, I think, fourth or fifth. And I try to stay in that striking range on things like deadlift because you have a lot of guys that are deadlift specialists. It's common. I'm not a deadlift specialist. Like, there's guys in my weight class that pull 800 pounds. I'm not an 800 pound puller with a suit. With a suit, I might be low to mid seven at the most best case scenario. So I know that I plan for it. And as long as I can be fast, like it was a medley, it was five bars. They added a seven ten pull. I missed that, but I had such a fast time through the first four up to six seventy five. I did well. You had the best tiebreaker, so to speak, of the people yes. who who got through the first four bars only. Yes. Now. You know, those guys that beat me on the deadlift, I destroyed on stones. So does deadlift carry over? Absolutely. But to what extent? Yeah. Mark Jones, who had an absolute perfect, flawless deadlift run, uh, smoked 710. That's one of your 800-pound pullers. Mark Jones is a phenomenal deadlifter. But... I think I was done all five stones or all six stones in the time he did by the time he did the fifth one. So it's, you don't know you. That's the beauty of strongman. It's like, he's a good deadlifter stones. You're picking it up off the ground. You need strong hips. You need strong, butt. that's going to carry over how much don't know. That's what I love about strongman. Who, um, who are some of your favorite personalities or people in the strongman community doesn't need to necessarily be anyone you compete uh, against, but it totally can be. You know, a lot of my favorite people are people I've competed against. That's another thing that draws me to this sport. 
you know, some of my favorite people uh, are people that people love to hate, but they've been very good to me. Guys like Terry Rady, um, Anthony Furman, Nick Camby, who's your current world's uh, 105 uh, strongman. He's an absolute sweetheart. And then you have guys uh, in, in the 90 kg, like Leroy um, Narimu, who won the previous. He's out of Australia. He's such a nice guy, but he is a game day dude. Mark Jones, everyone I compete against in the 90s, I get along with, I communicate with. They're great guys. Some of the bigger name guys, like Martins Lees, he's, he's an oddball, but he's, he's a funny guy. He's. When you're around him, he, it's going to be interesting. He says he does weird things, and it's it's fun. And then I've I've had uh, I've been fortunate enough to go out and train with Brian Shaw for a week in Colorado. Uh, his corner man used to train with us out of Maryland, so we had that connection. And Brian Shaw is is probably one of the most professional, but also one of the nicest guys in the sport. They opened up his house to us, opened up his gym, his family, and he was very good to us. Someone that I love to watch, uh, Matus Kilikowski, when he's healthy, man, is he impressive. The way he did those natural stone to shoulders at the Arnold, set the pace, then turned around and broke the world record the following year when guys counted him out on movements like that. And if he shows up on a press, he's, he's going to be the guy to beat, you know, with the circus dumbbell, he set the world record on that. So I admire that as someone who's going for one. He's a guy like me. Knocks, he's a decent presser, knocks carry and odd objects out of the park. Uh, but deadlift isn't up there with the top guys. So, like, I, I relate to that as a middleweight. He's a heavyweight and he's a younger guy. I think he's a couple years younger. I'm 28. I think he's a couple years younger than me. So, I love watching him uh, because I don't know. He's a wild card. You don't know what's going to happen. He's either going to be on podium or he might shit the bed. I don't know. But it, he keeps me on the edge of my seat for sure. Fantastic. Well, where's the best place for people to follow along with your training, upcoming competitions, world record attempts, things like that? So right now, uh, Instagram, uncle.nick.nic, no K. That's where I'm keeping record of, of most of that on there. I do have a YouTube channel. It's the same thing, just Uncle Nick, but I'm in the process of getting back into that. I moved out to Arizona to have more time for the sport for all this, and I'm working with Live Bearded. So for all of my bearded people out there, check us out. But yeah, Instagram, I would say stay in touch there. That's going to be where I'm going to be most up to date uh, with everything that's going on with me, with Strength League Collective and all that fun stuff. Awesome. Well, Nick, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate it and uh, excited to see excited to see what you do next. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. 